friends, and welcome to Slice 2 of your Kings of Anglia podcast this week. I'm your host, Mark Heath, and with me, my right-hand man, my conciliary, the man with calves like boulders, Andy Hutch Hogan Warren. How are you, my friend? I'm always here, aren't I? Always you and here. I are, you and I are always here, my friend. Um, excitingly, today, I'm in a new location. Ooh. I know. That, Tell us. That, that um, underwhelming noise is befitting of that news. Um, I'm in a new office. For for months, I've been sat in my conservatory, sweating like the proverbial. Um, and I finally, on my day off yesterday, I ordered a desk and I've, I've built it. I've crafted it with my own two hands. Uh, there wasn't too much swearing, actually, which is unusual for me. And uh, yeah, I'm in, my, I'm in my new office, which is actually the middle bedroom. Um, you'll have seen a tweet that I put out if you follow me on Twitter of said new desk with the shirt of the saviour hanging on the wall, which you had some thoughts about, Hutchie. Yeah, it, it looks a little bit sad in its current in its current state. Just is it hanging just off a nail? And a it's bare based, nail. Yeah. yeah. So the, the shirt obviously you bought me for the, the, the live pod um last December has been hanging in my T V room while I um it's one of those things you always say, Oh we'll get that framed eventually. Um and now it's hanging on a nail in my new office. Uh and I'm going to get it framed. But because I'm outside of the man cave, the TV room, where I'm allowed to put all my tawdry sporting memorabilia, um, I'm on thin ice now with the wife, who thinks that um, I shouldn't be putting any other stuff up anywhere else in the house. She's a very minimalist when it comes to interior decorating. So that's your office now, mate. This is this is this is your this is your area. Exactly. Surely. Exactly. That's what I'm going to claim, and then then. Um, Pipe down immediately in case I uh, incur her wrath. Um, I sunk to a new low last night. What was that? Basically, I slept in the office, didn't I? What? Yeah. Well, my my little office is in our spare room, and I I really couldn't sleep last night for some reason. Okay. So I, so I got up and um, came into the spare room, which is also my office. Right. And slept, which. Sleeping in the office is the lowest of the low. When you're doing that, you're in you're in all sorts of trouble in life. Yeah. Did and you... I woke, woke up in the office this morning and that, I felt really sad. Did you just get up and log on straight away? Well, not yeah. I haven't got any other choice, have I? Just <laughs> I've, I've, I've woken up in the office. I need to have a what have a wash in the sink. Yeah. And then um, then get going. But yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to go home tonight. <laughs> I know why you couldn't sleep, Hutchie, by way of segue. You were too excited because, of course, it's fixtures day today, which is the reason we're doing this pod. We'll come on to that in a minute, but I want to start with some sexy stuff. There's been a, a slight update overnight in the James Norwood saga. Mickey Mellon, the Dundee United manager, has broken his silence and spoken about the Norwood link for the first time. He hasn't said an awful lot, to be fair, but it's more what he hasn't said, which is interesting to me. He hasn't, for example, ruled it out. Um, so I'll just I'll read out the quotes for those of you who have not seen it, and then we can have a little chat. So it's from the Dundee Courier, who says, um, Mellon was asked about Norwood, and this is a quote, without mentioning him, Mellon hinted it was possible. When Norwood's name was put to him, he said, we wouldn't speak about anybody's players until we had something to speak about. We're trying to recruit honestly, and it's an ongoing thing for us. If we believe there's someone who would come in and make us better, we'd try to do that, but we'd never speak about somebody else's player. I'd wait until it was respectful to them because I'd expect them to be that way with us. There's nothing to report on anything at the minute. We're not at a stage where I can say there's somebody here and he's getting a medical. 
There is nothing close to that at the moment. Asked if there could be movement before Celtic's visit, which is tomorrow, Mellon added, listen, who knows? These things can happen overnight. These things can take a long time and these things might never happen. Up until there's somebody here in the building that I don't have anything I can help you with or report on, there's nothing imminent. So there you go, Hotchie. Um, a lot of a lot of football manager speak slash cliche in that. But but obviously, as, as I said, not ruling it out, not point blank saying, no, we're not interested in James Norwood, because, of course, we know they are. Um, your thoughts? Um, I don't have an awful lot of thought on what he said. He's covered every base there, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, he's covered uh, yes, no, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, possibly, and possibly not all at yeah. once there. Look, clearly, clearly Mickey Mellon is a big fan of James Norwood. He scored 80-odd goals under Mellon uh, at Tranmere, took him up two levels. Um, the two of them went up for the National League to League Two together. It's not a surprise at all that there's an interest there. I would be incredibly surprised if Ipswich were really quite happy to let him go. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think they want to keep him. And like we've said so many times on this, like I've said, I, I really think that a fit firing James Norwood is a massive asset to Ipswich and an asset that now, in the, in terms of salary cap, they would really struggle to replace um, in terms of, yes, you would be, if he was to depart, which I'm not sure he will, um, You'd there's a, a fair wage going off the off the cap. But in terms of recruitment, you're going to, really, they're going to struggle to get anyone for an awful lot more than the, the League One average wage. So mm. it's not something I'd be entertaining. Um, I think Mr. Mellon has, has said absolutely nothing there, if I'm completely honest. Um, he said not, a lot. He said a lot, but actually said nothing. Yeah, many, many words. Uh, very little content there. Um because we know that he clearly likes him. I, look, I've, they've got a, a main striker there, Lawrence Shankland, who scored so many goals for them mm. in in um in not an awful like three. I think he's I think he was only there last year. Before that, he was scoring goals for Air, uh, which is why they needed Aaron Drynan. Um, <laughs> he's there's interest in him from from the big Scottish clubs, and I'm sure in from England as well. Um, maybe. Maybe if he was to depart and they had some cash to splash, maybe. But for me, I, I can't. I can't see it. And I certainly that, can't see why it'd be a good move for Ipswich. I think it'd be a really bad, really bad thing. Yeah. Well, Kieran uh, agrees with you. Kieran Bleeds on Twitter says, "If this happens, it will be on par with the worst bit of business we would ever have done as a football club." Um, and Luke Penning adds. Uh, it would be up there with Murphy's move to Newcastle in terms of ludicrous ITFC business. A fit and firing Norwood can be a real weapon for us. This will just rumble on like Judge last summer. Fingers crossed it won't have the same effect on Norwood. Um, okay, actually, that's the sexy stuff. The Norwood business out the way. The slightly less sexy but still interesting stuff. Fixtures. Out this morning, 9am. Surprisingly, town are going to play every team home and away. Way. <laughs> Um, but obviously, let's have a little breakdown. So they start at home to Wigan. Um, they're at home on Boxing Day, and they're also at home on the final day, which you referred to as the Holy Trinity. Um, so let's start with your, your opening thoughts on the fixtures. I think 
I think Peterborough are away on the opening day, away on Boxing Day, and away on the final day, which which seems slightly unfair. Uh, which, but you know, Ipswich mustn't grumble. No, at, at that um, Wigan obviously always is the first first day of the season is the one we talk about first mm-hmm. Wigan. I'd say that's probably as good a time to play Wigan as any. Um, they, we don't know what they're going to look like come the middle of September. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of outs, plenty of ins. I'm sure. Um, I don't think it's quite going to be a Bolton situation. Um, where they end up playing a team of kids, I don't think it's going to reach that. But it could be, it could be a bit all over the place for them. Could maybe take advantage. My major thoughts are that it's a all in all, it's a pretty, it's a pretty kind start to Paul Lambert there. It looks like pretty if, decent, doesn't it? Yeah, if you run down it, it's Wigan, Bristol Rovers, Rochdale, MK Dons, Gillingham, Charlton, Accrington, Doncaster, Lincoln, Gillingham, Crew, Sunderland, and until you reach that Sunderland game away at Sunderland on a Tuesday night in November, there's nothing there. They're all, they're all games you'd hope it which would be winning. Hmm. Um, Char- Charlton, possibly the, the toughest test of them all in, in there. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty kind start, which has meant further down the track. There's some, some kind of compressed periods of tougher, of tougher games. So, um, we know Ipswich need to hit the ground running in this season, whoever they were drawn out to play in the opening games. But when you've got a nice, a pretty kind fixture list like that, you just really, you're really thinking that they need to, need to take advantage from there. Hmm. You know, obviously Sunderland away on a Tuesday night. Both both Sunderland games are on on Tuesday nights, which is that's a, sensible, isn't it? Why? Yeah. What what a sensible piece of scheduling that is for everybody that's, concerned. That, that's really disappointing, isn't it? Given that they're going to be probably the biggest games of the season uh, in terms of certainly home game for town, you'd think. Um, yeah, disappointing, underwhelming there. But as you say, a kind start. What you alluded there to, kind of tougher periods. Is there any period that kind of stands out for you as as being a tough run? There's there's a couple. You kind of get to November, November, December time from that Sunderland game that was just mentioned there. From from the start of November to early December, you've got. Sunderland, Blackburn, Hull, uh, Blackpool, Hull, Oxford, Plymouth, Portsmouth, Peterborough mm. in there, which is significantly tougher than that opening spell. And then you kind of get a, a, largely a repeat of that sort of mid-January, mid-January time where it's Peterborough, Sunderland, Blackpool, Oxford, Hull mm. in there. January, that's in January and February with a few other games in between. But we saw last year that Sort of mid October onwards, it, Ipswich fell off a cliff uh, yeah. after after a good start. Um, without without being the horrible pessimist, I could probably see them making a good start again, and then and then a tough test comes around, and then you have to wait and see how they handle that. And similarly, after after Ipswich got back to the top of the league in January um, of this year, they had a run again of six games. Uh, in a row against promotion rivals and pretty much lost them all, which um, is a similar run there in, in February, January time. So, yeah, some some tough run. The tougher games are all kind of compressed compressed together there, which um, if you win them, it doesn't matter. But if you are uh, if you get yourself bogged down and into a bit of a funk, you're, um, yeah, you could be struggling. But 
Mm. Who who knows? We don't even know. You look at these on on paper, don't you? Normally, we get these significantly further out from the start of the season than we are mm. than we are this time. But you know, we don't know who the contenders are. We can guess, but there's always one or two that are tougher games than they look on paper right now. And then there are another couple that we think are going to be tough games that actually that team isn't isn't so hot. So uh, yeah, who knows? But like you say, the headline news, playing them both home and away <laughs> twice. And what about, obviously, we have to do the running because every town fan will expect a promotion push this season. Hopefully, they'll be so far ahead when it comes to the end of April, start of May, that it won't matter. But the last four games, to me, again, look pretty pretty okay. You've got Northampton away on a Tuesday, Wimbledon at home, Swindon away, and then Fleetwood at home. Obviously, the final game of the season could be very interesting indeed if Fleetwood replicate their success from, from last season. But that again, that looks pretty kind to me, Hutchie. Am I being yeah. too optimistic? Well, we never we never got to our kind run in that we talked about last no. season, did we? We talked about that and it never it never we never got there. <laughs> so uh no, hopefully we at least get to play these games. Um yeah. yeah, yes. At home on the final day, you'd you'd take that, whoever the opponent and then you've got two newly promoted teams in those last four and and Wimbledon who were kind of in the relegation battle last season. So yeah, all in all, all in all it's pretty kind. Even before that you've got Charlton again, who I think will be competitive under Lee Bowyer, but then you've got MK Dons and Rochdale. Mm. The two the two games prior to that in April. So um yeah. Kind, kind running, but it's these these compressed periods of games against contenders that mm. I think will sort will sort Ipswich's season. Um, George just asked. Obviously, we should mention: uh, is there a date for when fans will be allowed in? I mean, obviously, we haven't got any new information on that, is it? But we're just thinking at the moment October, and there's a run of three home games in October, isn't there? Where realistically, yeah. fans could be back. Starting with the um, the trophy game, is it Gillingham? The trophy game in, in October? Yeah, that. That's I don't think that's completely like written in permanent ink yet, but that's looking like Gillingham at home on Tuesday the sixth of October, which um which would be the the first game. The first league game would be Charlton at home. I wish Ross was here to say Charlton. Charlton. Um Chilton. I don't think it I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that there's a some kind of very limited fan attended test event in September. One of the home games with a real minimal number of of fans attending before it suddenly opens up to the around thirty percent capacity that we've heard talked about. Um, not saying that's definitely going to happen, but I, I wouldn't say it's impossible that a a very very select number are allowed in for a September game. Who knows? Time will tell. And of course, we do. Yeah. Like- we do hope, obviously, there's going to be no breaks given what's likely to happen over the kind of winter period with the uh, the old COVID-19 potentially flaring up again. Sindre just says, I'd be happy if we get 46 games this season. And uh, obviously, that's the big unknown, isn't it? What what happens if, if um, there is a second wave yeah. or even a resurgence? We just don't know. So time will tell on that one. Um, just, just going through some of the, the thoughts from the KOA Army, um, starting with... Uh, where are we? Um, Lewis Mitchell says, a relatively settled squad and Lambert having several weeks with them on the training ground. That surely Wigan are the ideal first opponents. The antithesis of stability right now. 
stability, not stability. Uh, shades of facing Bolton away at the start of last season. Big John Watson, leader of the Kerry Army North Battalion up there in Sunderland. He says, bit gutted personally that Sunderland away and home are both on Tuesdays as a whole. Both the games I would definitely have tried to be at if on Saturdays and COVID allows. Um, and Jack also on that theme says, midweek games against Sunderland. Is the EFL fixture software taking the Michael? I've noticed we have a significant amount of games more than the Premier League, and yet our season finishes a few weeks before theirs. What month is the toughest paper on town? Um, obviously, we've just discussed that. Uh, and again, Will just asked again about make or break month for, for the season. He says the big five games in February would get my vote. Asterix, if we're still in the mix by then. Um, and Harvey Davis, friend of the show, just says Blackpool away is the first realistic away trip for me. Hopefully they'll add back in before then. And it has to be better than the last game against Blackpool, surely. <laughs> and Ross, just very, just very quickly, Ross Wishart says, I actually think it's a decent start. There's still some big questions and concerns hovering over Wigan and Charlton. I don't know if it's just me and, and me being a natural optimist, Hutchie, but when I look at those fixtures, there's not really any kind of period in there that I think, oh, that could be tricky. I mean, I know obviously there are, there are runs where they've got the bigger teams and it's in theory that it should be it should be a tricky time but i don't look at any of those any of those games really and think oh, town will struggle there yeah well that, that's uh are you clabbering back aboard your uh, your vessel <laughs> your float your floating vessel again all it takes is a 5-0 win over Colchester, trying and get two goals, mate, and I'm, I'm back, I'm back <laughs> on the, up by Christmas bandwagon. No, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be easy for town. I, I wouldn't say that it's going to be. I'm not on that particular vessel just yet. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too optimistic. We'll see. Um, that's the uh, that, that's what happens in the summer, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you kind of you leave football all negatively kind of after a poor season, and then, lo and behold, everybody's, everybody's up for it again come the... The new season. It just made it made me sad today, and it's it's noticeable that there's a lot less conversation surrounding oh, yeah. these these fi- these fixtures than normal, and it's it's just really sad because this is this is the kind of time where people would normally be saying, "Oh, yep, we've got um, let's have a weekend, let's have a weekend away at Blackpool here, and let's do this." Oh, I could stay overnight between these two and have some fun there, and yeah. I don't know. And it's just there's some there's. There's something really missing from this. It's all a little bit, all a little bit hollow, isn't it? It does feel that way, and certainly that's reflected in in, the, in terms of the web stats this morning. Normally, fixtures day, a huge day for us, and there is obviously interest, but it's nowhere near the level we'd expect normally. All, all very strange indeed. Um, any any more for any more on fixtures, Hutchie, before we move on to your your exciting little road trip this weekend? Um, no, not really at, at this stage. I, um, yeah, I just. I'm just looking forward to the day where some fans are allowed to come back and watch because that's when that's when the season will really, really feel like it. It starts. It's um, gonna it's gonna make such a difference, though, isn't it? I'm I'm struggling to watch. I've got to be honest. I'm struggling to watch any sport without fans. Um, I've been watching some of the NBA playoffs, and that just just feels weird, and I can't I can't get into it. I struggle with it. Mm. They've done a better job than most as well, haven't they? The NBA, yeah. I think. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's still. But even like the build, like you watch the coverage of it, and there's normally when you watch like the coverage of an NBA game, there's shots of like the fans queuing to get into the arena and people excited to be there, and the and the kind of the the kind of murmuring of the crowd and the, mm. the play the players get introduced, and 
and all of that. And that just builds everything, doesn't it? And it's just not there. Some of the basketball's been incredible. Like the, mm. the like it's actually really, really good. But it's just, it's just this. Yeah, there's just something missing, isn't there? And empty football stadiums are obviously so much bigger as well than a mm. basketball arena because of the pitch and stuff. It's, it's not. It's not good. It's not mm. good. And um, yeah, it's going to be strange even when even when some limited number of fans are allowed back in because it's going to be so spread out and so different to to what it normally normally would be but yeah f- football football's for football supporters that's what it's there for it's it's nothing without it so the day the day that fans are allowed back in in Portman Road in in whatever number will be a will be a really good day mm. the only sport I should note that I have enjoyed watching without fans has been the boxing um, which has been tremendous because you get to hear the shots land and this this weekend's heavyweight dust up between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin could be horrendous. Two elite heavyweights leathering seven shades of shit out of each other with no with no fans to cover up the sound of the shots landing. It could be both brutal and brilliant. So um, if you are going to watch that, enjoy it. Hutchie, this weekend, tomorrow, you're going on a little road trip to the best stadium in the world and you'll be one of the only people in there. Yeah. And I feel horribly guilty about it because, yeah, we are we are being allowed in to, to Tottenham to cover cover the the friendly there this weekend. But I could only begin to imagine how many thousands of Ipswich fans would have been up for up for packing out whatever away end they were given. It's yeah. only a friendly, and this game wouldn't be happening if if it wasn't behind closed doors because Tottenham would be off in Singapore or yeah or or China or somewhere playing games in a far-flung land. So look, there's, the only reason this game is even happening is because Suffolk is an hour up the road from North London. But, yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm looking forward to going. I've not been there before. Um, it'll be really, really good to see some live football again um, for the first time since March. That's probably the longest, longest I've ever gone since since my very first game as a kid, I, the longest I've ever gone without going to a a live football match. But wow. um, yeah, I can't uh, I can't shake a feeling of uh, slight guilt, even even if I am there to do my job. But um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it would be Ipswich could have taken thousands and thousands and thousands of fans mm. to to this game had it had it been in other circumstances. Mm. Um, I've just got this vision of you kind of sat with a mask on. I assume you're going to have to wear a mask, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind t- of t- in this cavernous, brilliant, state-of-the-art stadium, kind of just Hutchie on his own in the top tier, uh, making notes with a mask on. <laughs> it's just yeah. going to be such an odd spectacle. Yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be. Um, eerie. It's, it's eerie enough going and doing like Ipswich under 20 three games at Portman Road when there are there may be a couple of hundred people go to those sometimes yeah. um in a relatively like I'd say I'd call I'd call Portman Road a medium sized stadium. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, go it's gonna be strange in a sixty thousand capacity stadium twice as big as Portman Road with probably again two or two hundred people in there maybe. Yeah. Um yeah. Feel very privileged to be getting to go uh, yeah but um but yeah it's uh 
It's a shame. It is a real shame. Hopefully, hopefully in the not too distant future, <laughs> Ipswich can put together one of their mythical cup runs that never happen and uh, and get a competitive game there that they can they can pack the away end out because uh, I know there are a lot of people who would love to have visited that ground this weekend. Hmm. But you'll be there to report on it for them, Hutchie. Um, although you feel guilty about it, that is part of your job is to share the news from from Spurs and from other stadiums before uh, before fans can get back. Um, and obviously, you can stream online as well, can't you? Just um, just share the details of that in case people have missed that. So that's that's all being done through Tottenham on their kind of in house in house TV channel. So mm-hmm. uh, ten pounds, and you just have to go through go through the Tottenham the Tottenham website. I think it's pretty simple once you get there. Um, I think you get a little pre-game show, which I guess will be almost entirely focused around Tottenham. So mm. maybe not, maybe not one. Um, commentary, uh, HD. I think it's like a proper job. So it's, it's, it's a, a bit of a different world to the, uh, the Colchester one that we, we all watched the other <laughs> night. It's going to be, it's going to be a bit different with multiple cameras and things like that. But yeah, 10 quid. And I think it's quite, it's quite important that if you go on there, um, it does ask you which team you support. Right. And, if, and if you make sure you select Ipswich from the drop-down menu on there, that means the club get um, a, a share, a share of the revenue based on that. So, so that's um, that's quite important. Yeah, and obviously while, while you're there, Hutchie, in that empty, cavernous, brilliant stadium, you'll be watching some of the best players on earth, and uh, and and Spurs as well. But one of the players you won't be watching is um, is old Harry Kane. He's 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 alone in it. Well, not alone, probably with his family. But he's missed the start of Tottenham's preseason training because while he was on holiday in the Bahamas, uh, yeah. the rules changed. Uh, <laughs> and he, he's come back and had to self-isolate. So uh, I note that uh, Norwich City uh, didn't necessarily follow uh, follow those guidelines in terms yeah. of in terms of players coming from abroad and isolating with their new signing. That's made a bit of news. Indeed. Today, but uh, yeah, Harry Kane hasn't trained and is is not going to be playing in this game for a, he, he won't be back for another week or so. I think so. Uh, it's all right. He, I think he was probably a bit a bit scared of Wolfenden Chambers, <laughs> yeah, holy, etc. So it's a convenient convenient <laughs> excuse. He couldn't face them. He couldn't face them. The mighty town boys. Um, so, actually, what are you going to be looking for when you, when you're sitting there in, in in that stadium tomorrow? A, who would you like to see play, and B, kind of from a town point of view, obviously, um, just give us some things you'll be looking for. I assume formation will be chief among them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think you could. We spoke about Colchester the other day quite a, at at length, didn't we? But it was fair to say that that Colchester weren't very good on mm. um, on Tuesday night in either game, particularly the first game. But this is a real, real step up in standard. So. Not to take anything away from Ipswich on Tuesday, they looked good. They moved the ball well. They had good patterns of play. They they looked they looked to know their roles within the team, uh, but they they had a lot of time on the ball, and they're not going to be getting that this weekend. It's going to be a different story. So what I, what I'll be looking for is whether look, there's every chance they'll lose this game. The natural order of things says they should lose this game, but I'll be looking to see whether that shape whether they can play with that shape, even if it's not going to be as successful. Mm. I want I want to see them use that shape and build on what they did on Tuesday rather than this isn't uh, this isn't the first leg of a cup tie where you're trying to keep it tight and nick a goal. 
this is this is this is as much a part of it of of Ipswich's preparations for the new season as it is Tottenham's. So I'd like to see them go and keep that shape, that four three three, know their roles, try and get the fullbacks forward. They won't be able to as much as as much as they did the other night um at, at Colchester, but 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 try and do it. Try and try and build something here. Um mm. in terms of personnel they uh, they used 26 players at, at Colchester on Tuesday across 150 minutes of football. They've only got 90 minutes to play with in this game, so I imagine a few will a few will drop out. Um, probably starting with some of the younger guys that we used as substitutes. So that would be Ben Falami, Brett McGavin, um, and Tommy Smith. Probably the two young goalkeepers as well, because there's every chance that the two senior goalkeepers, Thomas Holy and David Cornell, will kind of begin their battle for the for the shirt. So um, we'll see. Uh, in terms of personnel, I'd I think we can maybe start to read a little bit into some of the pairings that are used in this game. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe even this weekend might be a bit premature, and after the West Ham game would be a better time to do that. But. Uh, over these two games, anyway, Tottenham Saturday, West Ham Tuesday, I think we can begin to start to look at the way that Lambert might be thinking, heading in, uh, heading into the real stuff. Give us some names, actually. Who, who are you looking forward to seeing from a town point of view tomorrow again? Well, I don't think. Oh. It... Yeah, go on. Let's talk about him. What... Well, he got. He's got to be given another chance, hasn't he? You'd think. The boy Drynan, Norwood's still not going to be playing. If they're going to stick with this, the formation and the, and the central striker, Drynan's got to be uh, in there somewhere, isn't he? It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't. Because if we're going to see Ollie Hawkins... Yeah, true. Um, um, yeah, if we're talking about Ollie Hawkins coming in, you've only got 90 minutes here and you want to get some minutes in Jackson's legs as well. Mm. Uh, does the Does boy wonder... Does the boy wonder drop out? <laughs> the boy wonder, amazing. Um, who knows? Uh, so that would be that again. That's interesting in itself. I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing any of these players. If I'm completely honest, I've, mm. I've, I've seen a lot of them in my in my uh, in my time. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing how they're used. Uh, yeah. I think there there are some players that are nailed on starters, aren't there? Vincent Young, Ward, mm. Downs, Wolfenden. That's probably it, though. So, so there's some other, some other gaps to fill in in there. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing who slips into those gaps and who we can, who we can begin to see, beginning to take a shirt. Mm. I, I, I want to see more of, of Teddy Bishop and Gwion Edwards after Tuesday. I thought they looked really good Tuesday, and uh, I want to see more of them, especially Gwion on in that left wing role. I hope, yeah. I hope it sticks with him there. Um, I'd agree with I'd agree with that. Teddy Teddy Bishop and Flynn Downs would be two of my three <clears throat> would be two of my three nailed on midfielders. Yeah. Um definitely. Um so and I think probably my kind of knee jerk reaction after seeing Edwards on Tuesday would be I'd want to see Edwards on the left and Lancaster on the right. Um so if you're beginning to fill that in there, I think the goalkeepers will play half each. Yeah. And then yeah, maybe a back four of Vincent Young, Chambers, Wolfenden, Ward, Downs, Bishop, and one other, Lancaster, Edwards, and then forty-five minutes each for 
for Jackson and Hawkins because Norwood's not ready and he would probably be my central starter at the moment. So, yeah, I'm just interested to see who um, who slides in to some of those roles and whether uh, whether they do get the chance to back that up because clearly clearly Tuesday was a run out, blow out the legs a little bit. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. That's, I think we'll, we'll be able to talk a lot more definitely about what's going on after this game and particularly after Tuesday as well. Yeah. Okay, Hutchie, that's um that's been half an hour or so. A good length for a mini pod. We've we've filled we've covered quite a lot of ground there. Anything else to add before we get back to, to writing about fixtures and spurs? No other business. No other business. Well, thanks for joining us. Two two uh, pods this week, hopefully the same going forward now once we start to get into the into the season and we get Ross back as well. Um follow us on all the social medias, Kings of Anglia on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and also leave us a five star review on iTunes because it helps us with the visibility in the charts. It's been tremendous speaking to you this week. Um, I hope you enjoy the game this weekend. Safe travels, Hutchie. And obviously when town do beat Spurs, next week we can start plotting the the open top bus parade for the League One Championship. Um, So yeah, have a great weekend and we'll speak to you again next week. to football, Brexit to Pokeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com.